the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Healthcare Now, paid for by Integrated Physician Network. This program is recorded to air at this time. Healthcare premiums through the roof. So much to think about when it comes to healthcare. Who do you talk to? Where do you go next? Well, we've got your answer to navigating the healthcare world. Welcome to Healthcare Now with host Mark Chayat and Larry Jones. And now let's head into the Healthcare Now studios. Welcome to Healthcare Now. This is Dr. Mark, and I am here with my co-host, Larry Jones. Larry, how are you good this Saturday afternoon? Good afternoon, Dr. Mark. Great to be with you today. Great. Well, we've On got a beautiful uh, Saturday show. afternoon, September 25th. I bet we're still going to get rain. I think, I we're, think we're, so. Yeah, I think we're at like a 40% coverage here in Central Florida today, but uh, it's going to be, it'll be a wait to see. But there were a few... Uh, few of those tropical depressions in September that kind of fizzled out to nothingness. They were lined up out there they were, earlier in the week. Were. But well, hopefully they're all going north. Yeah, I think I saw that some stat that in September represents about 35% of the named storms during the hurricane season. Wow. And so then we drop to like 15% in October and 5% in November. I think we're actually up to like storm number 17 named this year. Yeah, Rose or there's one after Rose. Yeah. I think we're Peter. Yeah. And then yep. uh, there's another one after well, we, P. There's a rose. So we're into the there's P's. There's a rose. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah and, I have to look at the alphabet, but I think the R is right. after the P. But. Well, it looks like the reason these three that are out, and I'm not a meteorologist, understand, <laughs> but there's a big dry uh, front coming through, and it's going to push them more north, it looks like. Which yeah, is or the, the high pressure zone. Yeah, we pressure, really, you know yeah. what? We really are not meteorologists. You're, no, you're right. <laughs> you know, every Floridian <laughs> thinks they're a meteorologist because we get so much yeah. weather that we watch, right? Once so. you go through a hurricane, you think you're a meteorologist. Exactly. You're right. And, and once you go through a <laughs> pandemic, you think you're an infectious disease. Of doctor. course. So, yeah, we had a lot of a uh, lot of news about our pandemic this week, yeah. which is no surprise. But I think probably the biggest one is that uh, near, early near in the your week, heart, Doctor Mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So earlier in the week, uh, Pfizer presented their case to the FDA, or at least sent it up there to say that they want to get emergency approval for their five to eleven year olds. Right. The uh, dosing is about thirty percent right. of the dose. I think they said one third. Yep, mm-hmm. and they uh, they showed that they had a really low instance of side effects. And the argument yep. back is that, well, there's only, what, 2,200? 2,200, 2,200 yeah. test yeah. cases. So, it's, so it is a numbers yeah. game. And, I'm, you know, it, I don't know how long it's going to take, yep. but you know, it's going to be interesting because the reality is the number of doses that have been given between 12 and 17 is quite low. Yes. So yes. just on that. Well, you know, being yeah. a pediatric surgeon, let me ask you this, and you know this as well as anyone, and probably better. Moms are pretty. Yeah, they don't like vaccines. They don't like vaccines. Yeah. So how hard is it going to be to get these kids vaccinated? I would have to say if we uncover the exact percent of 12 to 17 year olds that got it. Mm hmm. It will be pretty close to that pretty number. Pretty close to that same yeah. number. Because I don't think it has as much to do with the child's age 
It's going to have more to do with the family's feeling about it. Exactly. And, um, you know, I think they have to apply for emergency approval. And so that brings back that whole, you know, well, it's not fully approved. Right. Uh, But it it is. It's going to to be a lower number each time. And the real concern becomes we never get to that vaccinated herd immunity, but we may get to the exposure herd immunity. Right. Well, you know. As many pediatric practices that we manage within our IPA, mm-hmm. I, I hear all the time that the parents seem to, back when babies are very young, they come in and they try to give them three or four vaccinations all at one time. Yep. And don't you think that's been part of the problem? I, I don't know. I mean, I think it, it's like all the other things. People have their opinion about right. vaccines. Right. And so the term anti-vaxxer is much older than yeah, COVID-19. It is. Yes. Uh, and, and most of the anti-vaxxers are the ones that feel wholeheartedly that there are components in these other vaccines mm-hmm. uh, that cause other diseases. And, I, you know, we could have somebody on to talk about that. It's, a, it's an extremely yeah. emotional Maybe discussion. Maybe we get Dr. Ajay to come back on and talk about this now that yeah. they, they've asked for emergency approval. Right. Well, I'm, I'm talking about yeah. the other vaccines. Oh, so, oh so, okay. So the ones okay. that the true, that, that term anti-vaxxer yeah. came out probably, I don't know, in the 70s. Sure. Uh, and I'm just, I'm throwing a number out there. I don't right. know if it's settled. Right. But when moms and dads felt that some of the learning disabilities, autism right. was on the rise, and when they correlate those numbers of autism on the rise and new vaccines that are being required for school, mm-hmm. it does temporally line up. In some people's opinion, I see. Uh, but in most scientific evaluations of that, there's there's no there's no real answer there. There, there doesn't seem to be a causal issue. But put that aside, right. if somebody feels strongly, their their instinct to protect their child is greater than any other instinct, yeah. and I think that goes on to the this, this vaccine today. Right. So then move forward to a vaccine that's incredibly different than any yep. other vaccine, yep. and truly much more like the way our body's immunity system works, right? right? And right. So, so you add those folks up, and now they have a bigger voice because now people that yep. didn't even have to think about a vaccine, exactly. didn't have kids, you know, got their vaccines when they were kids, haven't even thought about it, are being told they need to get this right. other vaccine. Well, right now, uh, it was estimated there are 90 million Americans that have not been vaccinated. And I, I didn't see a number on how many of those were children. Now, I think that 90 million that is 90 million that are eligible. Age 12 and up. Yeah, right. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. So I wonder so, how many kids in America. I don't know. The, uh, a well, lot. We could, we could ask. We, we were just, we, were, we had our uh, we call in Siri. with Siri. <laughs> yeah, we could ask her. <laughs> but somebody, somebody, can, somebody can email us in. But, we'll we'll right. get that number for our next show. Right. So, okay. so And we could do some backwards math on that because we know that approximately yep. 53% of the U.S. Yep. population has received yep. two vaccines. You know, when they were shutting vaccine. schools down, if I don't re- recall, there were about 60 million kids out of school when they shut the schools down. Okay. And that would have been kindergarten or preschool through 12th grade. Right. And that's what they're that's what yeah. this vaccine is looking Pretty at, much, right? Yeah. It's yeah. 5 years. So we yeah. would be approved from 5 years up. 5 years up. And yep. yeah, there it's going to I think there were a, a lot of discussion in the different school boards, um, the unions, the school teachers yep. unions yep. and whatnot and Oh, the teachers know, union jumped all over it. Oh, sure, sure, because yep. that you know and it and to be fair, the two things that this can change are the number of kids that get put out for quarantine, because most of the schools right. say if you're vaccinated and you're exposed, 
Yep. So long as you don't have symptoms, you don't have to quarantine. My 12-year-old granddaughter had both shots. Mm-hmm. She was exposed. She's in the seventh grade. Yep. They sent her home for a week. Yep. So each school, yep. really the school boards are supposed to be making the decision. Some of them have right. pushed it off to the Department of Health, and right. the Department of Health doesn't have the manpower to make no. those decisions. No. So there, I've heard the same thing. I have a friend who's high schooler yep. was sent home and had to prove home. that. Yep. It, so, so there's definitely. You have to prove a uh, negative test before yep. you can come back. Right. So, and again, or I think it was seven days or something like that. Yeah, I think there's yeah there's choice, but yep. each group has to, gets to make their own rules. Right. And, right. and that's been problematic because then if somebody says, "Well, I, you know, I'm going to this school and I don't have to do anything," and you're going to that school right. and it's business as usual. Right. And and in Florida, we can't ask for a vaccine passport, or we're going right. to get fined. It's against the against so, DeSantis's rules. So, so we're back to that question, right? Is this <laughs> is right. this disease or politics? Well, you, you know, know uh, I think uh, where we're going with this, the they're hoping that these kids will have the vaccine by Halloween. Did you see that on the news? Well, that's yep. got to be that's got to be a media comment because there's yep. no science behind yep. that. But exactly, yep, yep. yeah, that and they're I, hoping that the emergency use will be approved by Halloween. Is that is that right? I yeah. think that's yeah. what they're they're targeting. Well, now going along that lines, mm-hmm. we should talk about the booster shots. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about what happened. So I think last week we mentioned that the White House had quote unquote approved booster yep. shots, but the FDA and the CDC they had were planning not. on giving them out on right. September twentieth, which is yesterday. Right. You know, this yep. past yep. week. Yep. And so yeah, if just yeah, middle week, a few days and, ago. Yeah. And then. They've come back now, and a, a joint committee from the CDC and FDA yep. has chosen to not approve the boosters, right. uh, claiming that there's just not enough data to, to support it. And I, you know, right. I'll tell you this. I'll, I'll tell you two and that things. That was a 16-to-2 vote, too, Dr. Mark. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's no, they, Pretty heavy. No, yeah. no question that yep. they're looking at the science here. And right. I'll tell you two things about that, the, that the way I look at it is it's true. But we don't have mm-hmm. enough data to answer the question as well, whether or exactly not it's effective. That's exactly what the committee said. Yep. But, and I didn't even read the report. I'm still yeah. saying no. Yep. But the second thing mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you is I've already received my booster shot. Right. And, and here's why. Here's my thinking. Mm-hmm. So it, it's risk-reward. The data that they're looking for is negative data, bad stuff. Right. So they're not going to say what the date between your first, second, and third shot that you your immunity drops right. until people start getting sick, exactly. right? And I know that I didn't have a problem with the first two vaccines, yep. and we pointed this out. The yep. third vaccine's exactly the I'm same vaccine. I'm to get my booster when it's right? available. Yep. So that's that was my personal, and and, yep. and if you're going to ask me, am I going to suggest, I'm, I'm, I am. I've, uh, yep. I've talked to friends, and mm-hmm. I said, yeah, I agree that the science doesn't show anything yet because there's not enough information. Exactly. And you could say the same thing about what we discussed with the children. Right. Well, that was where the committee came from. That you know that 16 to 2 vote said that the reason they voted it was they were out of frustration that Pfizer had provided little data regarding safety of the booster. Right. Well, because there's just not much out there, right? Right. And and really, it's not so much the safety 
it's the efficacy. Right. And right. you can't right. prove efficacy until people up. get sick. Yeah. Right. And then the other thing they said is that, you know, the Israeli research was pretty strong for the booster. Mm-hmm. And they said that the uh, they complained that the data provided by the Israeli researchers about the booster campaign was not really suitable for predicting the U.S. experience. And it's hard to know because now yep. they weren't getting the same vaccine, right? Or, I don't think I don't know was. if they were getting AstraZeneca. I or, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but that – so I, I, I can't and I don't disagree with the FDA and CDC stance, but that's kind of the way that we have to look at everything in medicine in the world exactly. is because people have opinions. You want to look at what they base their opinions upon yep. and then figure out how does yep. that matter to you personally and your family. And right. so in right. my family, yep. we're, we're okay You're with the boosters. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Dr. Mark, you know, there's a lot of conversation out there about these booster shots, who should get it, when they should get it, and if it's even needed. And this news, I think, changes things a little bit. What's and, that? Well, I think now I'm concerned oh. that well, well now you. they're saying you can't get the booster, but they did approve the booster for people for over 65 mm-hmm. and those with compromised immune systems. Right, right. Which they've been even the White House had said that ahead of time, exactly. right? They had they had pushed that early on, earlier than that September 20th deadline. And so this was more the deadline right. for the, the health care providers and other yeah. folks that were Well, we've we're got a at. couple more minutes here, and uh, let me mention a couple things. You know, let's talk about the decision as to why the committee felt hold off other than what we've already talked about. You know, they did say that uh, the shot is not necessary in fully vaccinated people at this time because they felt that the efficacy was still around that 94, 95 percent mark. And then the CDC wants to focus on getting the other 90 million unvaccinated Americans vaccinated. They don't want to focus on this booster. But again, uh, is is this I, I really? Know, yeah, I don't know that that's the right play. Oh, I don't know if it is either. Yeah. But the other thing is, is this going to support even further the unvaccinated methodology? Right. That, you and I talked I about this earlier. Yeah, I think. The problem with that argument is, number one, when they say the efficacy is still this rate, mm-hmm. we don't know if that's going to change in a day, a week, a that's month, right. a year. That's okay? right. And secondarily, I would agree with wanting to get everybody else vaccinated if I thought it had any effect, because let's say it was a supply. Well, right. We have supplies, not, not an a issue, supply right? issue. That's right. And we're not going to have that many people that are going to go out and get the booster. Yep. But you're right hearing a no from the CDC. People read headlines. That's right. And if the headline says, that was CDC says booster no, well, in a couple of months when they say booster yes, That's well, right. we're not going to be doing it. Yeah. Well, we've got to go to a break, but that yeah. was a good conversation. Okay. I think we got to cover that pretty well. We'll be right back. Mark Chayot, MD practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997, working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems and outpatient surgery centers, providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical, technology, and education, accepting all major insurance. 407-228-4774 or visit orlandopediatricsurgery.com. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Welcome to Healthcare Now. 
Welcome back to Healthcare Now. This is Larry with my co-host, Dr. Mark, and we had a good conversation about uh, children and vaccines and the boosters earlier. But, Dr. Mark, let's talk some history here. We were talking about the Spanish flu. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, you know, we had started talking about the number of deaths, and I want to throw out a a quick disclaimer. We didn't spend a lot of research time on the Spanish flu, uh, so there may be some, some gaps. But what brought it to our attention was the fact that the the gross number of deaths from the Spanish flu back in 1918 to 19, 1920 is now the same number, or I, I should say the deaths of, of COVID-19 involved disease yep. in the U.S. is now equal to what it was in the Spanish flu in the U.S. A little bit more on yeah. the current COVID yeah. pandemic. So, so we're starting yep. to look at that now. Very, very, very important to point out that that accounted for a much higher percentage of deaths back in yes. 1920 right. in the US. In fact, about that was that uh, that was about what 5%, right? Yeah, so yeah, mm-hmm. so 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 a much larger work. I mean, we're still under a percentage worldwide for deaths, which is a huge number. I'm not discounting that at all. Yeah. 675,400 to date on the COVID mm-hmm. and the Spanish flu kills 675,000 right. Americans. So, yeah. what was the Spanish flu? So, I, that was one of the things we had to yeah. talk about. So, yeah, what was the Spanish flu? So, it was not a tremendously unrelated type thing. It was the H1N1. Okay. So, we've seen some of these Flus, these not bird, the mRNA. No, no, no. no okay. Well, no, that's a vaccine. That's, that's a vaccine. A vaccine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. no. So the H1N1 are these uh, aviary bird-related flus. Okay. And so in the in the previous few de- decades, we've seen some similar, some I, I'm you know with bird flu and mm-hmm. that that we were concerned about, but what really struck me was you know obviously or I shouldn't say obviously there was no vaccine for the Spanish flu. Right. Right. Yet. In about two and a half years, it ran its course. About two years, yeah. yeah. And so it did so, when we talked about this, when we were talking about the R-naught factor. Right, of, of things. I remember that, yeah. So the, yeah. the only way you can get through these pandemics is to either get people fully immune. Because there was never a vaccine yeah. back in those so, days. Right, so right? The only, yep. there's only way to, to get through it is either isolation mm-hmm. and not passing it around. Well, that wasn't happening. Right. In fact, this really struck hard in the big cities. Okay. And I, I did read one thing where they said in San Francisco, you know, they, they were doing the same thing. They were People were wearing masks. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things. I didn't see anything on hand washing. But in San Francisco, if you were caught walking around the street without a mask, you got a $5 fine. So a five dollar fine. Nineteen eighteen. Nineteen eighteen. So you even looked it up, right? So that was about that was about fifty bucks. Uh, actually, it was uh, comparable to just under a hundred dollars yep. today. So, so you know, you've got that kind of thing going on back in nineteen eighty. So the way that the world got through the Spanish flu yep. was a tremendous number of people died, and the rest yep. of the population. Basically, got infected and received immunity through surviving. Right, and right. basically, that 1918 was the last pandemic up until where we are today. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So they're predicting a pandemic what every hundred years. Or yeah. Something I, like that. I, but talking about, we were talking about the CDC complaining. Yep. There's not much data. There's certainly not no, much data sure. there. But but when you look at that, the one other thing to point out was the Spanish flu put us almost almost immediately into a recession. Right. Right. And so I think. You know, there there are definitely improvements here. We're yep. we're, we're going to see fewer deaths. Uh, hopefully, yep. I mean, I, 
we're we're pushing that two year period. We are, which is concerning. We're about a year and a half right. into this now, yeah. and and they didn't really have a good handle on what the R naught value for the Spanish flu was. So I don't even that recall. Comes in. They probably didn't yeah, even they, have no, that no, tech, they that science back in those. No, days. they didn't have that terminology certainly. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but just trying to figure out the germ theory and how things passed around. Right. But right. it's really it is interesting, and, and you know maybe worth doing a little bit more research and yeah, talking about that in the that. future. But but it is it's mm-hmm. it's. Well, uh, let me throw one more thing out here. You know U.S. deaths make up roughly 14% of the nearly 4.7 million COVID fatalities that have been reported worldwide in this pandemic to date. That's 14% of the 4.7 million. Even though the country's population, the U.S., only comprises 4.2% of the global population, we represent 14% of the fatalities. Yeah, I think there's probably going to be a lot more accurate information as we go forward because... There, there's no way you can convince me that the whole world reports as accurately. Oh, there's no way. Because, yeah, no you know, that's the whole. We're probably better at reporting than anybody. Right. I mean, yeah. we know how many people are in the world, but what percentage of those people are in third world countries that, that don't right. have the resources right. or we haven't received yeah. the information. No question about yeah, that. And I'm not saying that anybody's yeah. lying. It's just right. that they're not, not collecting the data. Well, they're just the data in there. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And we were also uh, mm-hmm. talking about another shot. This is like yeah. shot, shot. All the we're influenza about is shots. Shot. Influenza shots. The regular are, flu shot. Yep. So it's right. it's time once again. I'm going to get mine next month. Right. Yeah. Yep. I'll get I'll get mine. Yep. Yeah. That's yep. in, a, in a couple of weeks. And don't you think people are going to think? Well, if I got the vaccine, I don't need the flu shot. I don't know. I think it's going to be the same number. I yep. think because yep. we haven't seen good data on the number of people who get the flu shot. No. It's it's pretty darn low i mean when you look yep. at the total population it's very less than 50 percent oh do for know sure that. for yeah. sure yeah and yeah. even in the healthcare community where most of the hospitals have had the idea that you get it mm-hmm. or you have to wear a mask right. well now I, I was joking about this way back when i said well now everybody's wearing a mask or they're just not going to get the flu shot well most of the hospitals have now changed and said mm-hmm. no you have to get the flu shot that you just have to get it right and and then it, and then there well, are also actually have one just saying, this past week started talking about the influenza shot because we're coming into the season. Right. And they're saying, you know, don't think you don't need the influenza shot because you had the vaccine shot. Yep. Now, there's going to be yep. plenty of education, but I, I think the more it's going to I bet it's exactly the same percentage that the last it year, after, you know, last yep. year and year before yep. that. Yep. But uh, certainly just for our listeners, not it's a totally different type of vaccine once again right uh the the reason that we get a flu shot every year is not based on the fact that our immunity drops from that flu shot it's based on the fact that there are a whole series of different flus right and they base the it's usually a trivalent shot and so this trivalent meaning there are three different flu bugs that we're vaccinating against okay and so what the cdc has done is they track what last year's most common mm-hmm. were, and you use it. Now, it's just economically that's the thing that makes the most sense, but the reality is if you, you, could, you could really smart this up a bit if you looked at what flus occurred in what part of the country, right. and you could have a more accurate right. string with this, but flu does kill. But it is certainly not as Last lethal. Last year, the influenza flu killed sixty thousand people. Yep, right. So, yep. we, so now we yep. kind of we have this whole new perspective on the numbers, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But but that's sixty thousand year after year after year Every after year. year. That's right. And with COVID, you know, we've got ten times that number of deaths in the U.S. Yep. Yep. In, in this in this yep. less than two year period. That's right. So we it's a it's a different plan. I mean, I think that 
a lot of things were learned from the Spanish flu, mm-hmm. and people followed those things for a period of time. But yep. then I think just you know after a hundred years, yep. uh, too much time elapsed, and I think that we're going to learn a lot well, of I things think about the this issue. Pandemic. Is there's almost no one alive no, today there's, yeah, there's not, that yeah. was in the 1918 Spanish yeah, flu. Yeah, for sure. I mean, basically nobody. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Certainly yeah. nobody has a memory of yeah. that. So, right, uh, so, right. That's right. But, uh, yeah, no, it's it's definitely something, uh, an interesting piece of history, but uh, really more yep. more conversational than educational exactly. at this point. But Good it, but, conversation, yep, Dr. Martin. Yep. You know, there was uh, some crazy conversation coming out of Idaho. And, and you know, again, if you just read the headlines, the, what was brought up to me is somebody said, hey, did you hear that they're not they're not going to resuscitate anybody in Ohio? And right. I want to immediately say that's not what they said. It's but that was the close. message yep. that I got from people in the medical field. Wow. Based on headlines that they had seen yeah. is, you know, yeah. this is just pandemonium. If And it's not yeah. just let COVID me, let patients. Let me talk about that for a yeah. minute. If you remember when we first started this thing. North Dakota, South Dakota, Idaho, some of these Midwestern and and far uh, northern northwestern states, they these had near very, Canadian states. They had very little COVID outbreaks. Idaho was one of those states, and now they've uh, got what they call a crisis standards of care, which I'd like for you to talk about in a minute, Doctor Mark, as to what that really means. But it seems to me now that these states that weren't under fire early with infections are there now. They're there now. Well, it's percentages. That's the yep. problem. Yep. And the same reason that Texas, Florida, and California get dinged in the media. Every time as, oh, my gosh, they represent 40 percent of all ca- because we represent that many people. That's right. And in Idaho and South Dakota and North Dakota. Yeah, but that's a political it, thing, too, Dr. But, Mark. But it's, you know it's about how you report it. That's right. So the reality was that they were having numbers, but you're not going to get when we talked about infectivity. Right. We talked mm-hmm. about that are not value. Yep. So in order to spread it, you got to be around people. So if you're around fewer people, you're going to have less spread. So it it would make no sense if the rates were as high. But now, over this long period of time, they have gotten to the point where Idaho put out this crisis standards of care in response to the pandemic. And let me give you a definition of that. It says that crisis standards of care guidelines that help health care providers and systems decide how to deliver the best care possible under extraordinary circumstances. It's triage. Okay. So, so basically, Idaho, these these, these states that we look mm-hmm. at, lower population, but also lower resource. Yep. Right? So if you live in a town, and it doesn't have to be in Idaho, it can be in Georgia. Right. It can be in all, if you live in a town that has a small hospital, and that basically, you know, if you had a big problem, they could ship you off to a bigger hospital in a bigger right, city. It's right. fine. But they couldn't do this with COVID because you inundated. There was it was it Franklin, Georgia. I can't remember the name of the city that just got decimated. There was a funeral and it was a spreader event. And their their hospital Franklin, but it was a, yeah, it, was it, was, a it was a place in place Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. yeah and it, yeah. it just inundated their or Harrisburg it inundated their mm-hmm. hospital. And it was a huge problem for that community. I remember that. Right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And so it's it, it's just what you have for resources. So what, what Idaho has brought forward was the idea of, you know, how do we decide who we're going to resuscitate? Yep. And and they, they based it on a few things. 
that you know we could get into the the weeds on it, but the idea that it was activated at all is concerning, right? But it it's also part of healthcare. You have yep. to have a plan, right? And here, if you come to a big city like Orlando, someone comes down, they they're treated for COVID, they get really sick, yep. they go to the ICU, they're intubated, yep. they're on a ventilator. Some of those people continue to get worse. And then there's a thing called ECMO, which is basically right, cardiopulmonary right, bypass. Right, right. But not everybody gets ECMO yep. because yep. we don't have enough ECMO to spread around to everybody that might actually right. qualify to get it. So you have to have a standard of care. When do you say no? We have a standard of care for organ transplants. Right. You know, you have to be a certain, if you're going to sure. get a kidney, you can't get a kidney over a certain age or if you have right. certain diseases. Right. And it's all about supply and demand. And I mean, that's that's important yeah. in healthcare, yeah. but it doesn't make for good media, that's for sure. Well, this crisis standards of care in Idaho, it seems like that they were trying to put out some kind of a blanket uh, policy that whether it's COVID or a heart yeah, attack, it, yeah, it was whatever that we it was. decide how to handle right. it. Yeah. Right. They're not worried about what the disease state is. Exactly. And so that that's why they didn't come up and said, if you had COVID, because yeah. you could have yeah. some other reason to use that resource. Yeah. When we come back, I've got a patient uh, story. Oh, great. Call in patient story to talk about. We'll be right back. Story. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Mark Chayot, MD, practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997, working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems and outpatient surgery centers, providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical, technology, and education accepting all major insurance. 407-228-4774 or visit orlandopediatricsurgery.com. Well, we've got your answer to navigating the healthcare world. Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. I'm Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones. Larry, you had a patient story you were going to share with us. We did. We had a a listener call in and talk to me this past week about something that I thought was a little concerning. This patient went to the ER back in late April of this year, Mm -hmm. and she's actually a registered nurse. And she went to the ER, didn't say what for, doesn't matter, and was walked in. Obviously, you register, you give them your insurance cards, right. and she sat down in the lobby. And she was there for about an hour, mm-hmm. and a nurse came out and said, ma'am, uh, we're really full today. And if you'd like to go to another hospital, we would probably urge you to do that because it could be another three or four hour wait. Interesting. She said, okay, no problem. And she left. She went to another hospital and they treated her. And uh, her bill was $80, her copay. And she went home. A few weeks later, she got a bill in the mail from the first hospital that she went to for five hundred dollars. <laughs> and I'm going to invest she, in that hospital. Yeah, we'll tell yeah. after, uh, so, when we're off the air. You're going to tell so me this. She called them and said, uh, "You know what, what's going on? Why would you send me this bill?" Well, you know we we did we triaged you. She says, "Ma'am, I'm a nurse. Nobody triaged yeah. me. I sat in the lobby, right. and then you you said go somewhere else, so I left." Right. And you know, 
But let me tell you, it's pastored, but wait to hear the most ridiculous part. Three months later, after not receiving any bills from the hospital, she gets a call from an attorney with a collection agency. They had already ruined her credit, and he said, are you going to pay this bill? And she told him what was going on. Right. And he said, well, I, I'm, he says, well, you know, they did, they did do, you know, took your vitals and all. She says, no, sir. No. They didn't even do that. That bill ruined her credit. It's still on her credit as of today, hmm. and she's trying to get it worked out. Yeah, that is, that's awful. That's it's, awful. It's the most ridiculous story yeah. I've heard yet. Yeah. So no, the moral of that story is don't give them your insurance information until they start treating you. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Like that's going to happen, though. They, they exactly. Won't say, they won't say hi. doesn't work well, like that, you know, does it, it's Dr. Just, it's such ridiculous business, you know, because if you think about it, okay, did they, did someone make a decision, a clinically relevant decision, that this person was okay to go somewhere else? Well, they did, yes. but but it sounds like they didn't do a very good job of being sure of that. They didn't even come in and take right. a vitals. Exactly. So they didn't yeah. actually assess her. No. But, but by letter of the law or whatever, they made mm-hmm. some decision, and they're going to claim that that took time and responsible. So let's okay. even agree. Let's agree that somebody took a minute to think but, about it. But right? let, me, let me mention let, one let me, more thing. The attorney, when she called her and told her that you owe us $500 and it's already hit your credit, he said, well, they did assess you. And she says, sir, I'm a nurse. I know no, whether no, they assessed that. me or not. Yeah, right, yeah. right. So so if you look at that and, and they, they make that argument, okay, at the end of the day, healthcare is a business and you want to work with your, your clients or your customers, right? Mm-hmm. You know, your patients or your customers here. So let's let's take it to the you sat down you go to a restaurant you sit down they pour you your water you open up the menu and you realize they no longer serve that favorite dish that you had and that's what you came for good hypothesis yeah, okay yeah. Yeah. you get up and say well I'm going to go down the street you don't have this anymore they don't have I, my hamburger th- thank you thank <laughs> you nobody can charge you that's right for that service that's right okay so why is healthcare different because there was no liability taken now had she had a heart attack in the taxi whole different story right yep. because they, yep. they they in fact they did not medically yep. assess her they just yeah that's yep. that's an all that's I awful put this in the same category of that guy that uh in that uh richmond virginia hospital mm-hmm. in the hca that they had the trauma team in yep. there yep. and they came in and saw that he all he had was a cut on his arm right but he got a seventeen thousand dollar bill for yep. the trauma team that never even touched him yep. Absolutely. same thing yep yeah. now aren't there laws yeah. about medical debt and your credit, uh, let's. I'm going to make I'm a note of that. I'm sure there are because I thought. Uh, I don't know. I thought there was something that protected you from credit ratings yeah. and medical debt. We're going well, to. In gonna, all fairness to the hospital, now when mm-hmm. I say she never got a bill, she did state that they may have sent a bill to her old address, but it never got to her. Yeah, but to, e- even so, yeah, even so, I mean, you know what I'm thinking? I mm-hmm. think that they can't put a lien on property. That might be. No, Something they, like that. They actually so we dinged need, we'll her credit. To, we need, a, we need yeah. an attorney listener to call in and, and uh, straight, straighten us out on yeah. that. But that's something. Remind yeah. me, we'll, we'll look maybe that we'll up. Maybe we'll get a uh, – yeah. well, maybe we'll have our attorney come on and talk us. Oh, yeah. That. We, yeah, that's that one attorney we yeah. like, okay? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's, uh, mm-hmm. let's jump to something else here. Um, so we, we talked about the open enrollment, the extension for the open enrollment to the Affordable Care Act's federal and state – 
run uh, insurance programs, right? The, mm-hmm. That with COVID, President Biden extended that several months and then yes. extended it again. Yes. And you know how did that how did that really pan out? Because we're we're beyond yep. it now. Well, I think uh, during the if you know the normal open enrollment is November one to December fifteenth. And in 2020, that was the normal open enrollment. Right. When Biden was uh, inaugurated in 21 in January, he opened up new open enrollment from February 15th to August 31st of this year. It just ended August 31st. Mm -hmm. And what they're saying during that time period, 2.8 million people actually enrolled and to where it's up to 12.2 million now during during that five month period. So now what they're saying is that. Not only are they going to do the regular open enrollment period from November 1 to December 15th, they're going to expand that to January 15th. Okay, so ju- just a little bit. yeah. yeah. So, but then the- when it ends January 15th, there's going to be another open enrollment period from February 15th to August 15th, 2022. So from November 1 to uh, 2021 to August 15, 2022, there'll only be a 30-day period in there that you can't enroll in the open now, in the was ACA. That, was that part of his first decision, or was this, is this new? This is part of the uh, America's First program that okay. he's got going Okay, on. okay. So yeah. it is, it is yeah. a separate, it was all separate part piece. Of that. Yeah. I mean, it only gets complicated because when if you do enroll, let's say you get enrolled in August. Mm-hmm. Your health coverage actually dates back to January. We decided that, right? Right. That's right. So so you may be out of pocket that you might might get reimbursed. Yeah. And it's going to be it's be an interesting play for people that are going to see like, well, if I make it to August and I don't need anything, yeah. you know, maybe yeah. I'll just hold off. But, so it's, it's weird. But, I mean, that's the only reason why it's not yeah. just open enrollment. Every, every day of the year. Well, the thing that, that I think strikes me in being in this for a while, uh, I, I don't have a problem with the extra open enrollment period right. versus the annual enrollment period. But what I do have is they continue to up the subsidies right. for these plans. And the bottom line, Dr. Mark, is can Americans, taxpayers, continue to fit yeah. this bill? Right. Yeah, I mean, I think we've we've talked about that before, and and I guess that's the only bright news about the fact that there really weren't that many people that signed up comparatively. But yeah, that it that can eventually that can break the bank, right? And just as a a reminder of how this works for physicians, so if someone enrolls and then they come see you, let's say they enroll in, in in November, and so they're active in January, you see them in February take care of them in february and you know maybe into into march Mm -hmm. if they don't pay three months of of their part in a row right the insurance company they'll drop them they well they drop them and they then they don't pay the claim right so somebody can come in and have their gallbladder removed you know spend a week in the hospital stuff in healthcare, and so so the hospital and the physicians and and anybody else is involved that that had a claim does not get paid. That's right. But you have to yeah. see them. You and can't, I will you tell you the see same thing happens in Medicaid too. Yeah, you know that, yeah. Doctor Mark. You do. Well, they with do it a every month day. to month thing in Medicaid. Month to month. Yeah. yeah. So they, yeah. And, and things change all the time. Yeah. You have to check at the beginning of each yeah. month. And it is. It really. It really 
runs downstream there that the the people that that actually hurts the most are the the ones that are in it for the least money and have the tightest margins that's right you know it's not it's not the insurance group itself you know that that they're they're basically mitigating the risk completely exactly like like, you know pay 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 today pay tomorrow patient but we're not sure we're going to pay you right that's really what those disclaimers say and we've had we've had a case where we talked about that happening and the payments were being made so then the company just refunded the two payments and said well we never got a third payment in month five so it's 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 like ridiculous math I mean, it's and and it's, what it's red a, tape to even undo that? No, I don't. Yeah, I don't yeah. know that you. I don't know that you can. Yeah, I yeah. don't know that you can. Well, you know, one other thing on the ACA for 2022, the user fees have been increased to 2.75 percent of their premium on the federal and 2.25 percent on the state. Well, explain that. Where where do those okay. fees come These from? These fees go? are part of the the premium that you pay, whether it's a subsidy or whether it's out of your pocket, Mm -hmm. and there is a user fee that go to the state and to the feds to run programs like the Navigator program. Gotcha. That's where these fees go. Interesting. uh, You know, know, that's that's new information for me. Yeah. Yeah. So so 2.75%. 2.75%. Just to run that. Go to the feds and 2.25% go to the states, and that's up from 2.25 and one percent Point seven five. So each one of those fees actually went up a half a percent. But we're giving them more money. So we're giving okay. money. Yeah. We're giving some money. We're going to take some more and money. We're going to take a little that's, more. You know money. what that sounds like? <laughs> that sounds like government math. I don't that's, know. That's know? interesting, Doctor I mean, Mark. Oh, geez. But no. you know, it will be interesting to see if these ACA programs continue to grow with these extended open enrollment periods. Well, they they have grown in the number of companies that are involved. Correct. I mean, yes. it's pretty much no across question. the board. They're, they've grown there. Um, I think that more than opening the enrollment dates, the, the real thing that's keeping yep. people in are the subsidies. But the no subsidies question. are going, I mean, eventually, that's right. that's they're right. going to go away. So they're, they're here to stay yep. for 2022, though. Yep, yep. absolutely. And yep. so, so with that, I mean, I mean we're, we're kind of kicking the can down the road, you know, increasing our yep. federal debt as it, as it relates to health care. That's right. Uh, and we're kind of it, it's kind of like the, uh, you know, giving out the mortgages that people can't afford to pay. I mean, it, kind right. of, it goes back that's to right. that. We're yep. teeing people up. Now, well, I guess you could say in the short term, people are getting health care. And, and, and again, you know, the paranoid side of this, in my opinion, says let's do every we can to manipulate this to get to a single payer system. Yeah, that's uh, you know and, where and, I'm going and, with that. And we'll have Martin. that's yep. another topic that we need yep. to do a couple of segments on is. Yep. Sing, single payer systems, yep. you know, single management, and and it's it's really something that that our listeners would uh, probably have not heard a lot about, other than you know the, the definitions and how That's that could right. actually That's work. Right. Uh, but uh, well, the average person doesn't even study that or know, no, know no, that terminology. No, because because it does it does it yeah. does affect all of us, but it is kind of uh, difficult to get yeah. down. So we, we, we can find a way to make it interesting. Yeah. I bet we can. But I really like your analogy on these fee, user fees. Yeah. Give a little, take a little. Yeah. Or give, yeah. <laughs> That's great, Dr. And, Mark. And, and it can go back and forth because <laughs> if you really calculate it up to uh, what the percentage is, I guess the percentage is based on how much they pay, but it's it's a tax, you know, so... Yeah, if it's not confusing enough, I'm, I'm, I'm just glad I'm not a government accountant, I guess. Exactly. The government's probably glad, too. Yeah. We'll be right back. The 
Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Mark Chayot, MD, practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997, working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems and outpatient surgery centers, providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical, technology, and education, accepting all major insurance. 407-228-4774 or visit orlandopediatricsurgery.com. Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. We are on our final segment in this lovely Saturday. Larry, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the uh, dollars and cents in healthcare. And I, exactly. I wanted to start off, I shared an article with you yes. uh, regarding the St. Louis based Ascension. Yep. Ascension uh, of, Hospital yep, System. Ascension Hospital yep. System, which mm-hmm. is a huge hospital system. It's got 146 hospitals. Yep. I think they're second or third largest in the country. And I'm just yep. doing that off of, off of memory. Um, it's one of the uh, Catholic 27 uh, billion in revenue. 27 billion. Yep. yep. So that that was, they reported that they're, they're 27.2 billion in, in 2021, which mm-hmm. was up from 25.3. billion from the year, year before, right? And so yeah. remember what happened the year before? COVID. And right. we're supposed to lose right. a lot of money. So, I mean, it, I mean, it's a huge, huge number. And I think they, yep. they do talk a little bit about what their, their margin looks like. But they went up 3.8% in that, in that year of COVID. Right. So, I mean, a lot of, a lot of thoughts were... But again, know, they talk about the reason their expenses went up wasn't patient care. It was higher salaries, wages, and supply expenses. Yeah, which makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean that kind of that does relate to particularly the patient supplies. Care, yeah. Yep. Yep. Because and and they were paying in order to get nurses in. There were a lot. There were a lot of travelers. They had to increase the number of folks. And I do know that here locally, one of the hospital systems did a great job of showing like their year-to-year comparisons of their income, mm-hmm. and yep. they broke it down to. ER floor, ICU, right. and, and surgery, right. and so you could sort of get a good feel for how much less income that was coming in. But we also have talked about in the past how what one of the things that COVID presented was some of the patients that came in for problems that really weren't hospital worthy weren't coming in, right? And right. so there was a decrease in expenditure. But so, in in the end result, though, their most recent fiscal year, they had about six hundred and seventy million in net operating income versus about six hundred and forty million in twenty twenty. Yep, yep. So they so they actually they increased their net about bump. thirty million dollars. Yep. Incre- well, no more. They had a loss. Yep. No, they had this this loss versus. The uh, the gain, right? And so. I also thought there was another stat in this article that you sent. Uh, as of June 30th, this Ascension uh, system with 146 hospitals had 341 days cash on hand compared to 284 at the end of 20. Right. So that means they basically had a year's cash on hand. Right. And that's, that's I actually... I wish I had a year's cash on well, hand, Dr. So, Mark. So the hospitals, I believe they're allowed to hold 18 months in the oh, bank. Okay. And so okay. so what that is an, that's an interesting measure. Yeah. Um it sounds it sounds kind of silly, right? But but when somebody walks in and takes over an organization, 
And one of the ways they can tell if they're fiscally taking a good care of the organization mm-hmm. is how much cash on hand they have. Because if you think about it, that's kind of like their profit, right? And, and you know, if their profits are low, if they're losing money, they're, they're, they're bleeding cash. Right. So to see right. that that improvement occurred, I mean, that's, that's yeah. pretty healthy. And it goes along with that previous number that you were saying yeah. that they, they actually showed. A, I a, wonder what the standard is. It really didn't say that in that article. It depends on the size of the unit. So, okay. So like for the big hospitals that we have here they're in town. They're the largest, aren't yeah. they? Ascension. Ascension yeah. is right. Yeah. Well, they're the largest overall. Oh, the and, largest. Okay. And so yeah. if you, oh, well, I'm sorry, the second largest, I think HCA is the largest. HCA's got right? 168 yeah, hospitals, yeah, I think, plus, something like yeah. that. Yeah. And so then you have but just systems that have fewer hospitals but larger larger hospitals, they kind of run in that same kind of thing that they, they look, they strive to have enough in the bank that you can you can run a hospital if if the faucet got turned off, you've got enough water to last you that period of time. Right. But that money doesn't just sit in a vault. That money sits on Wall Street right. and makes money. And makes more money. So it's called float. Right, right. So <laughs> that's one of the issues that when we look at these big systems, one of the ways that they stay afloat Mm-hmm. is by these investment dollars. Right. And in market crashes, that that makes or breaks these big systems. The float makes the yeah. difference. Yeah, because yeah. if, if they don't pull out of the market at the wrong time, I mean, they've got a lot of stuff at risk, mm-hmm. but if they play that well, they're, they're making money that they weren't planning on. Right. Dr. Mark, we've got a little time, and I want to talk about a subject that's near and dear to everyone's heart, and that's how to drive down health care costs while improving patient outcomes. And I think the biggest thing today that we're going to talk about is health care costs continue to rise, and health care costs are going up twice as much as the rate of inflation. Yep. And that's a scary number. And we're not getting twice the level of care. Exactly. I mean, we're talk not, about that, Dr. Yeah. Mark. So, I mean, yep. basically, I, I've said this a number of times that I believe that we still have the highest quality health care system in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that, you know, when President Obama was in, there were a lot of statements where they'd say we're the most expensive, but we're not the best. Uh, I, I I agree with that we're probably the most expensive, but yep, but we are no still the best. Yep. However, as we've seen increases in cost in the last decade, we haven't mm-hmm. seen improved outcomes across the board. That's right. We haven't seen this great jump in patient satisfaction. So, again, we need to improve how we spend our health care dollar. Right. So our dollars need to mean more to our, the health of our society. And, you know, the government programs, which Medicare, Medicaid, uh, Affordable Care Act, and uh, the children's health insurance programs, right. they're constantly trying to tweak these payment models. But in reality, what that really means is they lower your reimbursement, Dr. Right. Mark. It just goes back and forth. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. Uh, robbing Peter to pay Paul. So, so. how do we make health care more affordable? Well, Let's I, talk about it. Yeah, that. I think if we lower... I mean, we need to lower the out-of-pocket costs. Absolutely. Okay. By and the way, just so you know, out-of-pocket costs represents 42% of the overall health care dollar today in America. Incredible. 42%. 42%. Wow. Yep. So, I mean, that that's going to make the fastest difference to the individual consumer right. you know, faster, faster than anything else. But I think we could also, the next fastest thing, which would affect... A large pop- part of the population, especially our older folks, is lowering prescription costs. Without a doubt. 
And prescription costs have gotten completely out of hand for specialty items. Yes. Um, Well, you know, the day-to-day drug that you get in the pharmacy for a a bad cold, that's not the cost. No, 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 no. The cost are these specialty pharmacy drugs. Yep. And and costs for things like insulin. Yeah, uh, but yeah. and the cost of a lot of these medications that we uh, actually now see advertised on television, you know, straight to consumer, oh, yeah. which is All a the whole new other, branded stuff. Yeah. Yep, and, where there are no other options. Yep, and we've yep. we've talked about a few of these like outrageous ones, such as the uh, Alzheimer's monoclonal antibody, the Aldehelm. Yep, fifty six. Well, let me give you a, a stat. I, mean, I think will shock you. Specialty drugs account for only two percent of all prescriptions written every year. But they account for fifty percent of the dollars. Right. Yeah. Well, it makes that's sense. a staggering number. That kind of reminds me of the number I was reading an article on uh, who pays the most in taxes, and yep. and and what percentage. Yep. So you've got that top ten really percent pay seventy percent of the yep. taxes in America. So so we've got half yep. half of the drugs fall into that category of these specialty drugs, and, and half, the half prescriptions the are only two percent. Yeah. That's well, crazy, isn't it? So then another area where we can look to save money in the healthcare system we talk about a lot it's near and dear to our daily lives and that's value-based care yes and you know that's that's your baby so I'll let that you is talk our about baby mm-hmm. you know value-based care basically is ensuring that the patient seeks the right care at the right time at the right place for an appropriate amount of money and we do that. As you know, we have about eight different value-based programs within our network, Dr. Mark, that we have clinical management teams, we have network teams, we have independent physicians, and we have independent ancillary network uh, with outpatient surgery, imaging, urgent care that are all non-aligned with a hospital to where it does not they do not drive a facility fee. Right, and so that saves thousands and thousands of dollars thousands of dollars per per uh yeah per per patient life procedure yeah yeah so and we see that as as really the the reason this works is we're putting somebody in charge of that total spending per patient that actually has skin in the game Mm mm-hmm and has the right attitude to make it happen. So we've got these independent providers that know that, okay, prescription costs are out of hand. I'm going to make sure that I'm going to give you the medication that's most effective for you at the lowest cost. That's right. As opposed to, I'm going to get the thing that the the rep showed me is this brand new fangled thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's see how it goes, because I don't have any yeah. data on it, but let's see how it goes Well, for I can you. give you a real good example. Mm-hmm. You know, over the last couple of years, we've been very influential with the payers to help our OBGYNs. And what I mean by that is uh, they do what they call in-office surgical procedures, right? and then they take many of those surgical procedures to the hospital, mm-hmm. and it four to five, six times more oh, if they take them to the hospital. Sure. But what was happening is the insurance companies were not reimbursing the physicians, even the cost of the equipment and the devices used in the in office surgical procedures. So we made some changes in that and the payers even realized, wow, you're gonna save money. If we they'll save thousands of dollars per procedure. Right. Now you do have to motivate I mean you can't expect the provider to lose money. Right. And if they're going to go, well, right. we'll just send them to the hospital because it's, yep. it's like it's like yep. monopoly money yep. anyway. Exactly. I mean, we never we never actually see it. Yeah. Well, tied into mm-hmm. that value based care 
And and what you just talked about uh-huh. is migration to lower cost sites of care. Absolutely. I mean, that's exactly what you're describing. That's exactly what we're talking about. And we can about. see that yeah. for procedures in office. Yeah. We can see that for the surgery centers mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier. You know, we can see that for anything that's done, radiology things, yep. things that yep. are done on these freestanding groups mm-hmm. without a facility fee. And if you remember, United has been criticized for trying to drive their patients into this exact thing you're talking about. Yep. But but it's it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to I do. I mean, we've we've criticized United for other things. We have, but uh, but no, that they did come out early and state that you know you have to send if a patient's operative procedure should be done in an outpatient facility, that's where they need to go, or they can decide they're not going to reimburse. So right. that's that's a that's a big deal, that's and big and deal. that's also going to really add into these these issues and, and bring the cost yep. down. Yep. And I, I mean, I want to I want to point out that we're talking about ways to bring down the cost that consumers see, not necessarily the overall national health care costs, because that is a topic for another day yep. that yep. we're going to talk about in depth well, and, just and to where give you the an money idea really of goes. The magnitude of that, we're at four trillion today. Right by twenty thirty, which will be here before you know it, that four trillion is going to turn into eight trillion. Right, right. It can't go that way. No, it can't go yeah, that way. Can't go that way. And another another piece, as we're talking about bringing down the care for those individuals, is is virtual care, which is something exactly. that yep. isn't new, but has grown yep. tremendously due to the pandemic. Yes. And and we've mentioned this before that the reason it has grown is be, it wasn't long ago that most states didn't force the insurance companies to pay for virtual care for for a That's video right. visit. Even and CMS yeah. did it now. Yep. So now everybody's on board. Yeah. Um, and I, honestly, not kicking and screaming because everybody's seeing that this is working. It's saving it's money. Yep. It's going to improve uh, in, in so many areas. Physician revenue, too. Oh, yeah, and yeah. it should help physician you, revenue. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. going to get people to do their yep. annual visits. Gonna, their mental health visits are easier. Yep. So, I mean, it's really an important thing. Yep. So those those are just things that uh, you know we've, Very we've, we've carried that around. We wanted to go over that list. I, I hope, we, I hope we'll we talk, were clear. We'll continue to talk about health care costs. Good conversation this afternoon, Dr. Mark, on a number of different health care topics. Can you believe we're only 90 days to Christmas? Oh, man. Don't even talk about holidays. <laughs> Well, next week, we have a Florida Blue Cross executive with us. Should be a great show. Good. Have a great week, Dr. Mark. You too. See you next week. You feel better now? We hope you do. Join us again next week for Healthcare Now. For a podcast of this program, go to TheAnswerOrlando.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.